we we don't know what tomorrow brings and I decided to write a post on LinkedIn about wanting to to leave the city and it was talking about a story uh, about a little girl that dreamed of working in a really tall building with a pointy top by the river, one Canada square, and having reached the 45th floor, realizing that my definition of success was wrong, that it was based on money, power and status, and that sometimes it takes getting to where you want to be to realize it's not where you're meant to be. And that post went viral by the time I got to my leaving drinks. And that was really... I didn't know at the time, but that was really when the next phase, I would say, chapter two of my career story started. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embrace the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the My Career Story podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Now, since our past last cross, I've had a number of conversations which have questioned our definition of success when it comes to our careers. Uh, perhaps not surprising when so many of us are being made redundant, placed on furlough, or being asked to accept a change in our rewards package to help many businesses through the pandemic. Um, the lockdown appears to have unlocked many questions around purpose, our happiness, and the impact that we would like to have in the future. Big questions with meaty answers, which is why I'm excited to share my interview with Alexandra Galvez with you as an inspiration for the power we all have to change our lives for the better. At the age of 24, Alexandra found herself employed as the head of training and development for a foreign exchange company in the city. And after experiencing her very own quarter-life crisis, she decided to leave the corporate world and create her own definition of success. On the day she left the job, she wrote a post that went viral on LinkedIn. Since then, she's been named LinkedIn Top Voice UK twice and has become an official LinkedIn learning instructor. She's best known for blogging under the hashtag AuthenticAlex, where she smashes one stigma at a time. She's also the co-creator of hashtag LinkedInLocal, the biggest hashtag campaign on LinkedIn that created an offline community and scaled it in over 100 countries and 1,000 cities. She now helps individuals and businesses grow their presence on LinkedIn, helping them find their sense of purpose and tell their own stories. By doing that herself, she's attracted work from brands such as Shell, Deloitte, Dyson, Microsoft, BP, the Institute of Directors and Fiverr, all through the power of her building her thought leadership on LinkedIn. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Steve? Not too bad, thank you for a Monday morning, although the sunshine appears to have disappeared after that glorious weekend. (laughs) So I'm going to launch straight into this with you. Um, Tell us about your career story. Cool. Um, So I would probably start at um, university. Um, I basically, well actually let me go a little bit uh, before that. I was just finishing my A-level when I came across a poster that um, basically 
helped young people from underprivileged backgrounds um, to get an internship in the city. And I was very keen at the time to experience what life was like working in finance. I had a brother and two cousins that had gone down that route. So it seemed like the obvious route. Um, and it was something that my family were pretty keen on, on me doing. So I kind of called these guys up. Um, they're called the brokerage um, CityLink and they got back to me and said, well, we're, you know, we're doing a tour of different colleges. We haven't got there quite yet to yours, um, but you know, here are the details, feel free to apply. And I applied literally like 48 hours later. Um, and they always laugh at me being such a keen bean. Um, and I sent them through my CV and I didn't hear back for, for some time. And eventually like after chasing and chasing, um, I managed to get an interview with a company called Matfree which is um, in the top three largest uh, Spanish and Latin American insurance companies. Okay. Now, it happens to be that I'm half uh, Colombian, so I think that definitely kind of helped and got counted in. And I ended up getting an interview and um, eventually getting a job. Interestingly, the, the interview was part done face-to-face -face and part done when I was on holiday in France um over the phone um and then i got the job and to me that's really when my career kind of kicked off even though it was an internship um it was really like the point that it started um i initially was employed like the company had never had an intern um so i was initially employed to do data entry and one day the PA to the CEOs and the sort of office manager said, would you mind doing a cost forecasting for this outsourcing partner? And I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, you know, this 17, 18 year old me, um, no problem. You know, when do you need it by? And then she left. And obviously the first thing I went to do was Google what's cost forecasting and what's an outsourcing <laughs> partner. Um, and I kind of just fumbled my way through it with Google. Thank God for Google. Um, and I did it. And she, when I handed the work to her, she said, great, I'll let the CEO know. Um, if there's any changes, he'll um, send email you or get back to you. And so I started like stressing out because I had no idea it was going to the CEO of the company. And I was I probably would have checked it like another million times, but um, turns out I did the work quite well. There was only one sort of small error and um, he then turned around to her and said, look, we're pretty short staffed. It was, a, it was um, where I was working in the UK, they'd sent over quite a few sort of high level execs to set up and you know expand the branch in of the UK. So I was working in an office where a lot of people, almost like a startup environment, a lot of people wore different hats um, and they didn't have a lot of staff. It was quite a tight-knit team. So he said, you know, if she's capable of doing this, you know, maybe she can do some more staff. Um, I was very fortunate of having an amazing boss um, that was very inspiring, quite young for where she was at already. And, um, and she really kind of got me fully involved, like the more she realized that I was capable of doing things. And I was very, you know, I'm, I think that was the first time I realized what I was good at, because I was never someone that was very academic, or, you know, high in IQ, I would say. Um, but when it came to like EQ and emotional intelligence, and uh, building relationships, and that sort of thing, and being in the work environment, I really like shone. 
Um, and it, that felt great because <laughs> it felt like I'd found something that I'm really good at. Um, and then I slowly started to, um, to kind of do more important work and, and get more involved. Um, I was going for meetings with um, like BMW and, you know, heads at HSBC. And by the end of my internship, I was um, going to like the company retreat with them uh, as if I was, you know, member of staff. And um, the, the last sort of project that I worked on was a million pound deal with Royal Caribbean, of which I was in charge of the project plan of creating and managing the project plan. Wow. Be doing that at 18. <laughs> yeah, it sounds incredible. Uh, you know, I didn't even do stuff like that, that high level. I mean, I did, but not not as crazy as that when I was 18 in, in my proper corporate job later down the line. Um, but that really set the scene for, you know, like, if I can do this now, like, you know, what can I do, you know, in 10 years time? I say that mm-hmm. realizing that it's 10 years time now. <laughs> <laughs> um and um and I just really like thrived off the city life of you know working in insurance and um you know I I found my love of writing there um that was a big thing um I took the initiative of um you know suggesting that I could write the newsletters that went out to their clients and there was a little bit of reluctance naturally because um this this wasn't b2c it was b2b so it would be going to the heads of very big corporations and brands um but I showed them what I was capable of and they were like yeah definitely and they started seeing results from the stuff that I was writing so you know it just it was all perfect (laughs) I couldn't complain in terms of having a first experience in the city I was very very lucky um and that just spurred me on to kind of get more experience in the city and um and do you know it gave me a taste for doing more of that and building more relationships and having more experiences so I interned every summer during my university years mm-hmm. so I I turned down all of my friends invitations for holidays and partying and trips to Spain and all that sort of stuff to just work and over the space of four years of studying I went to Paris to do web marketing and I worked for the London Chamber of Commerce um, in terms of helping businesses expand their business in the UK or set up their business in the UK Um, and then my last internship was working in recruitment for financial sector um, for a multilingual recruitment company so I kind of knew what companies were looking for um, and what they weren't and what they liked and didn't so by the time I graduated um, I knew what I was doing and I going back to university I studied French and I had no intention of being a teacher or an interpreter um for that matter so for me it was more um you know I want to study something that I really love because it's four years of my life Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm going to get the experience that I need to end up in the career I want to which was going into finance and um it took about maybe four months before I was headhunted straight out of uni into foreign exchange and I wouldn't say foreign exchange was something I was looking to go into I was definitely looking to go back into insurance but I was finding it quite hard um, to get my foot in the door again and um, and so when I got approached with foreign exchange I was like well actually you know I speak French Spanish and Italian fluently Um, this is a 
good it seems like a good opportunity and anything to sort of just get in and then I'll find my way uh to you know to wherever <laughs> I was quite open so I took that job um I was there for about uh two years in total after a year of being there my job consisted of sort of being the person between the IT the clients um, and the sales teams um, looking after a online trading platform where people would exchange or where corporate should I say would exchange big amounts of money into a different currency and I looked after that for all of the UK office and clients um, and then after a year I sort of got itchy feet and this will be a common theme in my career story um, <laughs> where I get a little bit antsy if I'm doing the same thing all the time and um, I basically noticed that the girl that did my job for the rest of Europe um, who was based in Switzerland was moving to, to the UK and I said to my boss can I take her job and can you give me half of her salary for doing that? <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. he was like, exactly. And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Cause in their eyes they were saving, you know, an entire, well not entire cause they're giving me half, but half of that salary. So, you know, it turned out well. And you know, it wasn't just like I asked that I put a proposal together and I told him exactly what I did, what I, how much time I had left and what she did and how much I could kind of take on. Um, and he eventually got it pushed through. So I got promoted after a year, um, having just graduated and I was basically the European system specialist. And that started to involve a little bit more in terms of like training and developing people on, how to use a platform that I was looking after essentially. And that's how I dipped my toe into the training and development waters, um, which then subsequently after a year of doing that job, I started getting itchy feet again. Um, and there was nowhere really to go in, in the team that I was in. So I sort of had a very frank conversation with my boss and said, look, um, this, I would love to do something else. I feel like I can't really go anywhere here. I had a really good relationship with him. And, um, and he said, you know, what, what do you fancy? And I said, well, you know, I might consider sales. And so we had a conversation with the sales directors and there was a, you know, potential move. I think they were pretty keen in not letting me go because of the language skills that I had that allowed me to speak to our international clients in their mother tongue. And, um, and so I got offered a job internally to work in sales, but what they didn't know is that I was also getting offered two jobs externally, one for a pharmaceutical company and another one for a direct competitor. And I decided to take the one with the competitor. Um, and the very often I get asked why, given that all the salaries were quite similar and all you know, the roles were, were not far off. And I said, well, there was one role that stood out because it was head of training and development and it was going into a leadership position that at the time I was 24 was a little bit nuts, <laughs> I have to say. Um, and I was just like, you know, that role really scares me. I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, bearing in mind that I was absolutely frightened of presenting and well, guess what the number one skill of a trainer is <laughs> presenting. So, um, I was like, right, I'm just, I'm just going to do this and you know, we'll figure it out as we go along. So I took that job. Um, I stayed in it for about a year and a half and, um, all the meantime, I was kind of blogging uh, on LinkedIn for fun around career development and what I wish I'd known and 
things that I did well and I knew that I had quite a unique experience in my internships and and work life so um just sharing as much as I could for you know the generations to come and um I took that that head of training and development role and and sort of just learned on the job really more than anything because I had very little experience in comparison to like you know how much I really needed <laughs> Um, and I went and got qualified um, in learning and development. I attended every single conference and webinar and event that I could just to um, kind of soak up as much as I could and, and get stuck in. And in the process of doing that, realizing actually I'm really not where I'm meant to be. And I sort of knew that because the minute I got that job and I started, I was like, something feels a little bit off to me. And I couldn't just, like, I just couldn't shake that feeling. And, you know, it, it had been everything that I was trying to achieve. You know, by the time I'm 30, I want to work in the city and have a job that makes me travel internationally, have nice designer clothes, like all the kind of societal success stuff. And I, I got that at 24. And I think to a certain extent that sort of pulled the rug from under me, underneath me. Like if this isn't what I want and it's not what I thought it would be what is it that I want to do? And um, that just sort of led me on a quest for, for a year and a half around, you know, who am I? What's important to me? What are my values? And just realizing actually, this isn't the dream I wanted. This was very much a dream that was kind of instilled within me from a young age from, you know, the way I grew up and um, my parenting and all that sort of stuff. And to a certain extent, I wanted that because of the internship that, that I'd done that I enjoyed but actually there was so much more that I wanted to do and um and I wanted to create my own career and um after a period of very uh difficult uh days in terms of uh, struggling with my mental health going through an absolute quarter life crisis depression stress anxiety you name it um just kind of getting out of that and going do you know what enough is enough um you know we we don't know what tomorrow brings and I decided to write a post on LinkedIn about wanting to to leave the city and it was talking about a story uh, about a little girl that dreamed of working in a really tall building with a pointy top by the river one Canada square and having reached the 45th floor realizing that my definition of success was wrong that it was based on money power and status and that sometimes it takes getting to where you want to be to realize it's not where you're meant to be. And that post went viral by the time I got to my leaving drinks. And that was really, I didn't know at the time, but that was really when the next phase, I would say chapter two of my career story started. Um, and I was onto a new path um, because at the time I was still thinking of of, um, I was going away for six weeks uh, to, to backpack in Asia but when I was coming back I was definitely thinking of um, going into training and development again but maybe in a different industry like the third sector um, but actually that post really changed everything for me that's it Gosh, that's, 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 that's such a lot of stuff that, I mean so there's loads there around um, responsibility that you've had from an early age um, a passion for kind of variety and work and challenging yourself and then that quest for discovery which has led to some of the work that I'm aware of that you've been doing um, mm -hmm. in the last six months for example but something that I just want to pick up on there that you were saying that I think is probably going to be really important for a lot of people that are listening given what's going on in the world around us at the moment and we've spoken about this before as well is the, the piece of 
dealing with uncertainty. So mm. for people that are listening, listening and might be feeling a little bit apprehensive, anxious, scared about what is happening and what the future looks like, what might be some of the advice that you would give in terms of how you cope with that? Um, I think it's very easy when, you know, the stuff is happening and you face uncertainty, whether it's what's happening right now or just generally uncertainty in life and careers, it's very easy to bury your head in the sand. Mm. I definitely know I've done it (laughs) a few times, but I definitely learned that that's not, um, that's not really the best coping strategy. Um, I think sitting with whatever you're feeling is, is an important thing to do, even though those feelings might feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, rather than ignoring them because they're not going anywhere <laughs> um and just thinking like for me a big one is just thinking that you know the future holds a different situation you know we're not in this forever and um i think that for me it's just always thinking about what am i going to be doing in six months time and you know i it's been challenging for me because i'm kind of like well you know i don't really we none of us know what the world's going to look like in six months time but yeah at least we can kind of think and hope about what we would do. Mm. Um, And when we do that, there's hope and hope kind of pulls us through that. Um, So I think that for me, those, those are really the things of just sitting with, with what you're feeling, not ignoring it, not numbing it with whatever um, you choose to normally. And just actually thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. I can, I can think about the future. For me, that's the way I've usually looked at it is just like visioning what what's to come yeah that's really good advice thank you for that um so that was um the the peter around chapter one so i'm kind of presuming that there's there's more to tell and i know that you've been doing loads of great stuff particularly in the last year or so so what what came next for you um so in terms of what what i did when i left yeah yeah so I had been sort of testing two things um, when I was still in my corporate job. I I had an idea that if I could work with social mobility charities um, around helping young people be equipped with the skills that they needed um, and inspiring them as well with my story, um, as well as using LinkedIn, like if I could make those two things my job, I would be a happy woman. (laughs) I sort of just set out trying to figure out how I could do that. And for me, that started off with one speaking engagement. Interestingly, um, my first client was the, uh, um, was the charity that I worked with when I was 18 or that got me that first internship. They were my first client and I did a speaking engagement for them. Right, okay. And then I tested out the LinkedIn kind of uh, with a group of people that I knew in my company. Then I tested it out with the public and then I ran them um, publicly as well. And then again, that worked. And I was like, right, I can do this. <laughs> I've tested the concept. I've done it once publicly and people, you know, have paid for it. And it sort of started off from there, just doing those two things. And concentrating on doing those two things then expanded into like other things um the the help came from the fact that i had continued to build my linkedin audience so by the time 
I'd left in February 2017 to December 2017, I'd grown an audience to about 33,000 and um, or about 30,000 at the time. And that meant that I had an audience that I could talk to and that were kind of like my brand ambassadors and engaging in my content so other companies and people could see. And through that, I got a lot of my work. Um, and through that, I got opportunities that I don't think I would have necessarily thought of. Um, so I started, um, you know, training and I continued with the LinkedIn stuff in terms of training and coaching people. Um, I initially thought of coaching young people, but it turned out I was getting approached a lot by uh, C-suite and business owners and entrepreneurs, et cetera, and consultants. So I started working with them on a coaching. Then I started getting asked by corporates to run workshops on um, LinkedIn and LinkedIn branding. And then I started getting asked to speak at events. And then that turned into, could you come to this international conference and speak? So things sort of gradually escalated with time and those opportunities got bigger and with, you know, better known brands um, with time. And then the social mobility stuff turned into um, not just speaking, but running workshops on employability and then graduate development with um, in terms of like inductions and interns and et cetera and apprentices. So that grew as well. Um, and then I started to get involved in terms of community building. Um, I was involved in something called LinkedIn Local which was around getting your network to meet offline face to face from LinkedIn and get to know the person behind the profile. And I was one of the co-founders of this campaign on LinkedIn that we then grew into a hundred countries and over a thousand cities. Um, so I, I was sort of going with the flow <laughs> and seeing, you know, what, what was coming to me in, in a sense and just following that and, and trusting that, you know, I have an idea of where I want to be, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And, and everything started to fall into place. Um, and yeah, then I set up um, a business last this time, yeah, about last year around helping people find their purpose and reconnect with it, having had the experience of not, of struggling with mine and realizing actually my purpose is not mine, it's someone else's and redefining what, what mine was. And then, you know, helping people through that trajectory of actually this isn't the career I want, but I don't know what I want. Um, so I kind of, yeah, just sort of followed what was coming to me and it turned into, yeah, bigger projects, bigger names and snowballed into different things. So that's, that's sort of where I'm at now. Gosh, it's very, very inspirational. And, um, and I always love hearing um, the different layers of your story every time I speak to you. Um, one of the things that you've, you've mentioned a couple of times there, and if I can, I'd like to unpick with you just a little bit, is mm -hmm. the going back to this piece around where your own lived experiences and where you're from, and you've noted the brokerage there. And stuff. like for those young people, or to be fair, um adults that might be listening to this as well that might worry that their potentially their background or where they come from might affect um, or impact on their potential in the future what might you say to that oh honestly it doesn't define you <laughs> um you know i had all the you know all the stuff up against me like i came from a single parent household mm. low income background first generation to go to uni ethnic minority um council 
grew up in a council flat like there is everything to like define me to say actually you fit in within this statistic and you can't you know you're not able to get into the city or not you're not able to create a career you know carve out the career you want and to that I say peep um I just yeah I I just don't believe it's true. I think that if there is something that you really want, um, you can absolutely achieve it. And I am definitely proof that that is the case. Um, and often there are times that I've thought I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I just know I can. And I believe, I think believing in yourself is a massive thing because no one else is going to do it for you. Um, and I, you know, just to give some, an idea of, of the stuff I was up against when I finished my first internship I'd asked my um my cousins and my brother who worked in finance and I thought right they've got an in it like maybe I could you know get get some opportunities through them and I I went to them and I said look I'm really interested in getting some work experience or internship I've just done this one in the insurance sector um, you know, two of them worked for Credit Suisse at the time and my brother worked for a hedge fund. And I said, you know, I'd love to be able, even if it's for a day or a week or maybe like during the summer, just to get some experience. And one of my cousins said, you studied a French degree and really you need a business or accounting or, you know, something finance related. So I'm really, I don't really want to recommend you because um, I just don't think they'd accept it. I had my second cousin say, it's a man's world, um, you'd be eaten up. Gosh. And then I had my brother turn around to me and said, yeah, well, the thing is, if you cocked it up, it would be on me. Um, and so no. And so like, I even have my own <laughs> flesh and blood and family, like slam doors in my faces uh, where they could have helped. And, you know, to a certain extent, I'm glad that happened because it gave me the fire and the almost a little bit pissed offness of like trying to prove them wrong. That is definitely <laughs> not the best strategy. I um, but it helped at the time that I was like, you know what? I am going to prove you wrong and I am going to show you that I'm capable of getting where I want to be and doing what I want to do without having the most traditional backgrounds of doing that. You know, when people find out I studied French, um, when people know that I have a finance background doing what I do now, it's a little bit jarring because it's not the most traditional path, but I was totally fine carving my own path out, even though, even though you know, I didn't really have a, a roadmap, so to speak, but mm -hmm. I just had this internal, like, belief that I could do that and that it was possible so what would you say therefore is has been the most important skill that's helped you to do that i would say three things passion perseverance and patience nice three p's and so how have they helped how have they helped you through that i would say passion like really loving what it is that you do like honestly if you're doing a job and you hate it like change jobs <laughs> um because you don't like we spend so much time at work so why should we be doing something we don't like um for me now I do what I love like honestly when I I used to hear a quote that um and I can't remember I think it's Steve Jobs that said it if you do what you love you never work a day in your life 
And I was like, oh, that's such crap. I don't believe that. That's just, you know, idealist. And actually, it's so true. (laughs) Now that I do do that is that it just feels like I'm having fun and getting paid to do stuff that I enjoy. Um, So passion is really important. Do something that you love. Perseverance. This is where, especially in the kind of entrepreneurial world, I just see a lot of people fall. Mm -hmm. Is that they pack in so quickly or they just go, do you know what? I just can't hack this. And it, whether it's your career or your business, there will be numerous ups and downs. And it's really about, you know, how do I, if I'm passionate about it, it's going to be easier to persevere. That's for sure. Um, but just really sticking, sticking it out, even when it does get a little bit crap, because it will get better. Um, and then the last one, patience. Again, it's sort of linked to perseverance quite a lot. Is just having the patience that these that you'll eventually get to to where you want to be, and having faith that that's going to happen. And you know, I remember sort of getting my first few gigs with um, companies like Deloitte and Microsoft and LinkedIn. And especially LinkedIn, you know, like I dreamed of working with them when I graduated and I just, I applied and I couldn't get a job with them. I'm now, um, like I'm now working as a consultant for them. Yeah. I've now worked, you know, as a consultant for Deloitte and Microsoft and a speaker. And I'm just like, you know, who knew that I'd applied to all these big brands and I tried to get in the traditional route with their graduate programs or their internship programs and just got rejected all the time. And now I do it and I do it on my terms, you know, and I'm not even looking, I'm not sort of looking to apply for jobs with them or contracts or anything. These people are coming, these brands are coming to me. So, you know, there is, there is a way to, to, be able to do what you do you know in my mind I always thought of working with those brands I just didn't think that I'd end up doing it this way (laughs) um and you know that's when I really think about wow what a journey I've had um of you know really trying to get in there and trying to work with these companies and trying to make something of myself and now I get to do you know that's the work I've put in Mm -hmm. and now they're coming to work with me gosh it's amazing. I love it. So I'm going to um, end the interview on, well, it's, it's a positive note throughout, to be fair, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell us what you are loving the most about your career right now, Alex. I would say, oh, I have to pick two things. And they kind Go of live. Go on. Go on. Um, I would say helping people, like, mm. like genuinely helping people through what I do I think that I I did that a little bit in my corporate jobs but not in the scale that I can do it now so you know that's not just through the the work that I do but it's also through the content that I share on LinkedIn to have that sort of reach of you know hundreds of thousands over the last few years and millions actually I think I'm you know really lucky to have that platform and that audience to to be able to help where I can and the second one's inspiring like Mm -hmm. being able to inspire people with my story and go if I can do this you can do this too is a massive privilege yeah fantastic well thank you very much for spending some time with me sharing your career story with us I've loved 
hearing the new bits that I haven't heard before. And I'm sure everybody that's listening to this is going to love the entire journey that's there. Is there anything that you're working on at the moment or anything that you want to share in terms of pe what people can um, expect to see from you or what they can go and look at what you're doing now? Yeah, so in, oh, I can't say the date, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, I, contractually, I can't. I'm going to have a LinkedIn learning course coming out very, very Amazing. soon. To say that on how to build your thought leadership on LinkedIn. So if anyone's got access to LinkedIn Premium, you'll be able to watch it. Um, and the second thing is I'll be launching a um, course on how to write your story um, in May. So if that's of any interest, head over to my LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, thank you again for your time, Alex. And for everybody listening, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. As usual, um, please do take the time to share, to leave a review, um, and also to come back next week and, and hear from the next guest that we have. So thanks from me and thanks from Alex. We will see you again next time. <laughs>